This is Space Watch Daily, the place to get insights into this second great space race. I'm David Ariosto. We are now coming up on 30 seconds to acquisition of the command module. And we'll stand by for that event. So let me begin this podcast by sort of stating the obvious in that landing on the moon is hard. The reason I mention that is that this week was supposed to be Russia's moment. Um, The war in Ukraine hasn't been going very well. The economy there is teetering along. There was even an attempted coup there earlier this summer. But when it comes to big moments on the world stage, there are just few bigger than becoming the first ever nation to land on the lunar south pole and this was sort of a chance to show that despite everything russia is still a power to be reckoned with it can still do things that shook the world like like it did back in the old soviet days in the area of sputnik and vostok and soyuz and and that it could be first and that being first mattered not just as a course of symbolism and prestige which, you know, Moscow could certainly benefit from these days in terms of how it's prosecuting its own war and the sort of the questions of viability that Putin continues to face. But also really just from a technological perspective, it is a serious technological feat to land anything on the moon. Um, When Apollo 11 did it back in 1969, it was then described as sort of a controlled fall out of lunar orbit and was starting from just about 60 nautical miles above the lunar surface. Okay, I'm still on flu, uh, so we may tend to lose as we gradually pitch over. Let me try auto again now, see what happens. Roger. The lander back then was running low on fuel. They only had enough fuel for one try. We're still go, altitude 27,000 feet. Same alarm, and it appears to come up when we have a 1668 up. And then the trajectory was wrong. There were computer errors. There were alarms going off. Apparently, according to some of the historical records, there there was a depressurizing process between the command and lunar modules that just didn't work quite right. And that meant Commander Neil Armstrong, and who was then lunar module pilot Buzz Aldrin, just had to adjust. Okay, I'm still on flu, uh, so we may tend to lose as we gradually pitch over. Let me try auto again now, see what happens. Roger. Now, they were heading there with a forward velocity parallel to the surface of the moon, and then they had to sort of pitch up to slow down and then drop down, almost like a helicopter might. Now, keep in mind, the lunar surface is is not all that smooth. It's sort of pockmarked with boulders and craters and all kinds of problems. And the lander came about as close as one can get to an aborted landing and perhaps even a crash. But then these now famous words were uttered over comms. Tranquility Base here. The Eagle has landed. Roger, Tranquility. We copy you on the ground. You got a bunch of guys about to turn blue. We're breathing again. Thanks a lot. Now keep in mind, back in 1969, there were six possible landing sites. Essentially, every site that was chosen was chosen on the side that was facing Earth, which helps with coordination. Kind of had to be for coordination with Houston. But not only that, every possible landing site, all six, were located generally near the lunar equator, where it's more flat, um, there's just less of those steep mountains and deep craters, 
compared to the more rugged moonscape of the lunar south pole. There you, that's where you'll see those big mountains and those deep craters. And the temperatures are a little bit more temperate in, in, the, in the equator area. Down near the south pole, much, much like here on Earth, they're just more extreme. Think of like 130 degrees Fahrenheit in the sun. And yet some of those craters are so deep in the lunar south pole that they can create almost perpetual darkness and hit temperatures as low as negative 300 or 330 degrees Fahrenheit. So just from a mechanical operating standpoint and how much the, the physical hardware has to deal with that, those fluctuations and extremes in temperature, it's a lot to deal with. But then there's also a comms problem with the Earth, which you know, by the virtue of the curvature of the moon and where it's located, there's a line of sight issue, so there's a greater reliance there on relay satellites with ground stations that just become far more important. And for some of these landers, that can just mean blackout zones, and where you simply lose contact with the lander and the craft altogether. Now, apparently that's just what happened um, with the Russian lander, according to Roscosmos, the Russia's main uh, space agency, in the sense that Russia's lunar lander lost comms with ground control, spun um, went into sort of an uncontrolled spin and ended up crashing into the lunar surface, thus dashing the hopes and dreams of Moscow becoming or being able to etch its name into the history books of that first lunar landing on, on, the, on the South Pole. It had been trying to catch up to India, which had launched their lander about a month earlier. Um, India had gone into to lunar orbit um, just recently, uh, having taken a more circuitous pass uh, around the Earth, which actually had saved itself a little bit of fuel, India now has a chance to be first. and It's actually scheduled to land on Wednesday. Of course, you have to keep in mind that this is not India's first attempt. It tried back in 2019, and it also crashed. So if it doesn't make it on this go, then it becomes a toss-up between China and the U.S., and I, I happen to know firsthand how seriously uh, this is being taken regardless, uh, among aerospace engineers in Houston. Um, remember, the lunar south pole is where the first human lunar colonies uh, are expected to be, principally because of water ice that has been found there, which you can use for drinking or making oxygen, fuel, and all sorts of things that are really pretty important in terms of establishing infrastructure and being able to eventually explore the cosmos as this being sort of your, your, your first jumping-off point. Um, and in coming days, I'm going to have a, an interview with, with the president of the very company that the U.S. has enlisted to make that happen on this podcast. But for now, I, I wanted to just sort of talk about how complicated um, that landing is, both in terms of the context of just landing on the moon in general, but also just the various issues in terms of temperature, in terms of, of comms, and, and also just in terms of the sheer landscape and moonscape that... Um, that landers are going to have to contend with. Now, just kind of keep in mind, in the history of, of these things, I'm not, even just, I'm not even talking about the lunar south pole, but more than one-third of all those attempts have ended in failure. Now, we may be seeing history made this week with that India landing on Wednesday, but if not, the makings of the space race are now in full view for, for everyone to see, and that's precisely why we started this podcast, and, and certainly this week is a big week for that. So I wanted to make mention of this. I wanted to kind of get this podcast out to, to describe it and to kind of talk about why the Lunar South Pole is different. We, we did in previous podcasts talk about precisely what's to be gained, but 
this, these are the initial stages of, of, uh, of the space race. And it's, it's hard to get a more in-your-face example than this week. That being said, thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, make sure to subscribe, and we will see you here next time.